Okay, well, I think you've had some... Okay, so basically, uh, we had a lot of controversy at this table, and then a lot of non-controversy at the other two tables. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll leave the controversial table to last. Yep. <laughs> we'll start at the back, and then move forward. Uh, are they still in session? Great. Uh, <laughs> I think there is controversy right now. Okay, there's two tables of controversy. No, not surprisingly, the tables of Mike and Richard. Oh. Yes. The absence of Mike and Richard. <laughs> okay. Okay, starting at the back. Uh, what are some thoughts or inquiries or some contemplations that came up at this table? I'm sure this particular, these particular paragraphs could have, I think, could be uh, of great um, conversation. So, so what, what came up? Um, so, we're talking about how 5.5 is kind of regarding, uh, I guess, like believers or God's children. And then 5.6 
just in our natural state, are sinful creatures, and our only orientation in life from the moment we're born is to sin. Mm -hmm. uh, so God giving us over uh, or allowing us to sin is essentially, yeah, the withholding of itself. But then we ask the second question. If God is, if we sin or don't sin because God is withholding or not withholding himself from us, yeah. do we, how much choice or freedom do we have in regards to um, our ability to repent, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the Bible says that <coughs> godly sorrow leads believers to repentance. Mm -hmm. um, so think, so godly sorrow is a work of the, it's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to um, give that heart of conviction Yep. and the power, not just the conviction, but the power to repent. Yes. Right? So if repentance is dependent on the Spirit of God mm -hmm. and God withholds that Spirit from us, yes. Like how much choice do we have <coughs> in um, our ability to just start making changes in our life, right? As believers or unbelievers? Uh, as believers. As believers? Yeah. Okay, fair question. Did you because discuss it? Or? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the answer. Oh, okay. But so it's an open, open, open question yeah, open to everyone. Question, yes, like okay. Our, our, our thinking is like in, in the beginning of 5.5, it says, yeah. uh, a, a wise and righteous and gracious God yeah. leaves his own children for a time, yep. right? Uh, to manifold temptations and to the corrupt, he gives them over to the corruption yep. of their own hearts for a time. Yep. But in that time, so if we look at the life of King David, in the chapters where, in the months wherever where he was, you know, sinning with Bathsheba and yeah. uh, murdering her husband, yeah, I don't believe he was capable of not doing that. So I, I, I believe that that was a chapter in King David's life where God withdrew his presence, um, mm -hmm. and so he did what sinful people do, yeah, and commit sin, okay, and. In that period of time, I yeah. don't believe King David had the ability to persevere and to deny himself, and because sure. um, it, it was a chapter in his life where God did not intervene. Okay. The wait, is that the answer to the question? Or? That's my opinion. The opinion on the on the question yeah. that you posed. Okay, question to that table then, other than Mikey, or some thoughts. David. Yes. <laughs> Richard is a great example of election every week. He just <laughs> randomly elects people to share. Um, but yeah, just generally in the table, like anyone, um, without Richard's election, no predestination. Here. No predestination. <laughs>
um, this will be a great emphasis in that kind of season. Just, yeah, I, like I wonder if um, that means that we can't like suddenly access all our knowledge or like our discussion and stuff like that. Because I still do think that like when we do do the right thing or do like everything by saying I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you said some good things, though. Yeah. Any other thoughts from the table, from or any other table? Uh, some thoughts on that question. Um, I don't quite remember the exact nature of the question, which was, for believers, God's withholding of grace to um, allow them to sin, right? To giving them over to sin for a short, temporary period of time. The question was, why? Oh, I see, I see, I see. Right, right. Yeah, so his lack of act, lack of intervention, so his lack of grace, yeah. and him actively choosing not to withhold himself for a brief period. Yeah, yeah. In that season, then, it would imply that we don't have the power to, uh -huh. or the ability to not sin. Because not sinning or living according to the Spirit is... It's through God's power. Through His Spirit. Through, through the Spirit of God. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, we don't naturally by any, like, on any level have the ability to not sin. Right? If given, if given, like, free realm and free choice, like, completely, you will always choose to sin. Yeah. Is what Scripture will teach us, right? Uh, very similar to, like, if you ever read, like, Lord of the Flies, the author is kind of trying to get that point across, is that you remove law from the world and, like, little kids will kill each other. Like, if you ever read Lord of the Flies, right? Um, yeah, it's a very, very compelling question. Um, <coughs> pretty much at the heart of what this chapter is about, I think, right? Understanding God's providence in relation to um, our choosing of sin, right? Like, how does that, how do those mechanisms function and work together? Um, and I think whether, so this is like a conversation I would have with someone who would not be on the side of perhaps like um, of Calvinism, right? Would be that either or there's an issue, right? There's a compelling issue both ways in regards to this matter, at least in the human mind, right? But I think there are things that the scriptures make sense for us. And so the divines, in answering this question, are drawing from scripture itself to reveal what I think the Bible teaches us about these things. That these realities are true, whether they make sense to us or not. Mm. I hope, like that is, I hope that's getting across, right? So the point of the divines is not to like give you an apologetics on how this works. The point of the divine, what they're telling you about providence, is that this is what is happening mm -hmm. according to scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Another question I also had was, so I don't understand. In previous chapters, we read that God is not an author. He's not an author of evil. Yes. Okay. But he's also not a condoner or a doer or a committer of evil. Mm -hmm. So if you allow something to happen. Yeah. Or if you withhold yourself. Mm -hmm. You are indirectly. The causation of yeah, that. Responsible for. Yeah. We, we talked about this last week. How on a human level that, that is true. 
right? Like on a human to human relation and how we function in this world um, with our sense of authority, that's true. But we need to understand that we are corrupt authorities. We have corruption in our authority, in our decision, and in our will. But when you're dealing with the infinite holy being who is infinitely righteous, that decision cannot be anything but holy and righteous. So how that causation of those things from our perspective is still able to be holy and righteous on our end is a mystery. Like there's a sense of mystery to this that we admitted last week, right? But if we go back to chapters one and two and we trust that the Holy Word is the Word of God and that all the things we said about God in chapter two are true, then everything that follows about God's activity in creation is also true. That he's still being he's still acting on holiness right from a holy source right um and that's the mystery component right that's the i guess aspect of this that continues to you know create contemplation in our minds yeah uh fantastic question i want to get back to that when we get there but middle table any thoughts or questions that came up here Uh, we were very uncontroversial. <laughs> that's, that's how we like it. How, this is the example. Uh, outside tables, take note. Without, without controversy, I believe there might be less development and oh. enlightenment. Oh, okay. Wants so to be controversial. You're withholding controversy. <laughs> you're less woke. The withholding of controversy <laughs> was actually <laughs> a <laughs> <third option>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, I'm, I'm a simple-minded individual, so what I like to try to do at mm -hmm. the end of the discussion is to sum it up in a very short sentence. Oh, that's beautiful. That's usually what I try possible. to do. <laughs> um, and what we came up with is, well, we, we took the, the book as sort of uh, an inspirational source, but 5.5 um, is more about how God uses evil to do good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and 5.6 is how God, in His goodness, um, if, if you're not elect, then like He'll just let you be whatever. So He'll just turn off the tap. And if you're not elect, then you'll just go off into sin and kind of explode. And you're, you're gone. <laughs> Whereas 5.5 is God will turn off the tap, but you're elect, so you're kind of circling back, knowing that you're acknowledging that you're a sinner, and you're cycling back to God uh, mm -hmm. without acknowledging. 5.7 is he's doing all that thing or that, the way I took it was it, he does all those things for the good of the church mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day it is for the good of his church mm -hmm. um, despite all those things that are happening we might not fully understand it right and so the mystery I think um, from those who would rebuttal this would be why not for all Right. Why why not this pouring out of grace to all? Right? Why is grace withheld to some, it, we'll say many, and only poured out to a few? Like why is that the case, right? Where is that decision coming from? And why is that decision made? Right? Why not all? I think it's the obvious question, right? This is what ultimately produces things like universalism, right? Like a universalist will say, God loves everyone and God wants everyone to be saved, so he'll save everyone his way. 
whatever way, right? But, so it's not right for us to say only some are saved. But then you go to scripture and Jesus is like, yeah, like, very few will walk the narrow path and walk through the narrow gate. Many will walk the wide path and go through the wide gate, right? Um, <coughs> it's very obvious in scripture that there are the elect and the non-elect. I think that's just undeniable in the language of the Bible. But why that is the case, I think, continues to um, it continues to like almost like make us uncomfortable with this with this thought, right? Uh, but again, that comes from we talked about this in the beginning a much more human-centric sort of thinking, right? That we think on the lines of like human beings ought to be saved, right? And if we start from that assumption or we start from that premise. That's where we will be led. Right? That God ought to save us. Right? When we really need to start with, God ought to not save anyone. That's where we should start. Right? Um, so yeah, very interesting points. Thank you, that table. Anything else from that table? Very non-controversial. I'm very, very excited to get to this table, which will stir the pot for us a bit. Yes. Hello. Yeah, we talked about common we talk about common grace and then saving grace. Yeah. Right? Saving grace is for the elect. Five point five is dealing with the elect and five point six with the non elect, right? So you're dealing with five point five the church, the saved people of God, the people of God, who are treated uh, a specific way. And then five point six deals with the non elect, the non church, who are treated a certain way. Both are left to sin, continue to sin, right? But one produces um, a good, and one produces an evil that would be the default conclusion to sin, right? And so that's the difference that the divines are trying to get at, right? That the Bible teaches us that even the saved, the elect, are left in sin so as to produce uh, good in them, right? Good in this world. Whereas the non-elect are left to sin left in their sin and by default receive what they ought to receive right? and that's that's the differentiation that's being made this withholding of grace I think what Mikey was talking about is likely uh, the grace of God um, in preventing people from sinning right but that is only accessible to the sinner I uh, sorry to the saved to the elect that is non-accessible to the non-believer does that mean a non-believer is just sinning 24-7? Maybe in their minds, <laughs> but in action, no, right? Common grace allows even the non-believer to commonly do things that are commonly good, right? Non-sinful things. They can do those things. Being loving, being kind, being generous, being joyful, being like demonstrating godliness in attribute, right? But can that person right do that consistently forever in all like all of time for their entire life no 
it also does not mean that the non-believer is going to be like <laughs> this guy comes up every week right they're all not going to be Hitlers <laughs> right there will be Hitlers the extreme of the non non-elect but then there will also be people like our ancestors right who tried to live just decent lives farming you know gathering rice taking care of the family living for good virtues and values but with absolutely no Christ in their life, right? And they are uh, damnable to the same eternal consequence despite that. At least that's what the Bible teaches. Yes? So in that case, if you're a non-believer, like, yeah. if you're not saved, yeah. you're going to get the same punishment as Hitler anyway. So you might as well be Hitler? <laughs> not like Hitler, but like... Like small. just sin as much as you want? Yeah. Yeah, but that would require that would require you to have a Christian understanding of the world. But a sinner who is not Christian uh, does do not all share in that, right? So one of the arguments that I, I've I've had conversation with atheists on campus. One of the things that atheists hate is when Christians peg them as just evil creatures. They're just like, oh, like every time I go to a Christian thing, they're like non-believers, atheists. They think they're evil. They're evil, evil. This, right? They're not. They're not all like that. They're not all rapists and like you know. They're not all going around like doing like terribly evil things, right? In fact, a lot of non-Christians are actually trying to do good things, right? They're trying to be a better person, help people around them, um, sometimes more so than Christians, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that they're saved. Right? What this particular thing that this chapter is talking about and this these paragraphs are talking about is that sin only in the life of the believer can ultimately produce a better, greater good for the purposes of their holiness. Only in the believer, though. That cannot happen in the non-believer, is what we're being told. Okay, for the sake of time, last table. Controversial right. table. Yes, table of controversy. A lot, I heard a lot of, like, like things here, so... <laughs> John I want to tread carefully. Um, so, um, we discussed that, um, so, oh, I'm pretty tired. Um, so, like, anyone is free to yeah. talk. Um, <laughs> so, so it, it's very possible that, um, I gave the example of, like, a Christian who's grown quite a bit in his faith, and then there's, like, this consistency they have, right? And then it's easy for that Christian to think like, like I'm good, like I, I've reached the level and I'm doing this on my own, right? I'm, I've, I've reached this level of sanctification on my own. But then I think sometimes God removes grace, so you just punt it, and then you're reminded that, oh my goodness, even this growth I did obtain is totally by God's grace, right? And that's God's way of reminding us that no matter how much we grow, everything is, he's still the source of it all. And we should never think like, oh, like I, I've reached this level of sanctification and I can just go on like cruise control now, right? Or like, I'm better than somebody else. But I, I think God deliberately removes this grace, makes us fall, do something stupid, and then we're like, well, like I need God every moment, right? It's not just like I need God when things are bad, even when things are good. Yeah. Because um, if God removes this grace, like I'm just gonna pull a King David and do something mm -hmm. terrible, mm -hmm. right? So, and then we realize like how wicked our hearts really are without yeah. God's grace to uphold us. So I think that's 
one of the purposes of God withholding this grace to really humble us and to remind us that um, everything is of grace. Yeah. <coughs> even even a consistent Christian life, like it's not because you know we have we exert more effort. It's it's still it's totally by God's grace. Right? So I remember like Augustine said, whatever good I do, I attribute it to God. Whatever bad I do, I attribute it to myself. Right, so like we should never be proud about our growth or right. everything's still like when we do bad, the way we should we ought not to think is like, Oh, I sinned. Oh, that's just God withholding grace. Yeah, yeah. Like if we think like that, we are looking at this from uh, the wrong perspective, right? We're not looking at it at the right perspective. Because as I told you multiple times, like understanding the mechanisms of these things will only draw your mind towards taking blame <coughs> away from yourself rather than putting more blame on yourself. And that's the danger of this type of, that's the danger I see in modern Calvinism, right? The modern young Calvinists, the issue with them is that they keep removing blame from themselves for sin because they're like, oh, God has predestined everything. God's elected everything. This is just the way that God ordained it. Providence, sovereignty, I'm good, right? That's Paul's entire cry in Romans is like, no, like, like should grace be your get out of jail free card to continue to sin and just place more and more sin on that cross? No, it should lead you to gratitude. It should lead you to humility. That's what we see in Christian history. Um, and yet so many people use these things, these this theological banter to justify themselves in certain ways and free themselves of that that responsibility right mm -hmm. that's not what we want to do that's definitely not what we want to do right um and so i think the divines are treading this very cautiously but precisely in accordance with what scripture is teaching us that all credit goes to god for all holiness and all goodness in this world and all evil we do in our lives is your own sole responsibility mm -hmm. right that we cannot put that blame on god yeah, yeah. we ought not to put that blame on god now, how that mechanism ultimately works in detail, right? Yes, is a mystery in some sense, um, but is not left a mystery in terms of how, in terms of the reality of those things. Yeah, to Richard's point, like on how you know Augustine like credits anything bad to himself and anything good to uh, to God, like th that's obviously like very you know biblical. So mm -hmm. that would also imply like I don't know, like if you know someone who is Okay, so when we look at like Paul, yeah, right, like he's like this God-fearing man, right? Still sinful, but like, no, you know, this guy who's just super radical for Jesus, right? Like, I see a level, like if you just read the Bible, you just see a level of passion in these guys that, like, sometimes I'm like, what the heck? Like, I would never, I wouldn't go to that extent. You know what I mean? Like, it's maybe I'm a little bit more apathetic, more lazy, like whatever. Mm -hmm. But so that would also imply like that. That like that passion, that drive was was from the spirit of God through mm -hmm. Paul, yeah. and that same drive is not given to everyone or anyone. Yeah, um, and so let's stop virtue signaling people who are not like Paul. Uh, I don't think anyone is doing that. <laughs> like I feel ever. That pressure. I've never. <laughs> I feel that pressure. From uh, we have never placed pressure on you to be the greatest missionary of all time in Christian history. You know that actually relieves me a little bit. <laughs> I might not even take you to short-term missions, let alone send you to the ends it of the earth. because he was like almost there. Yeah, you know? just like almost Paul. I think for you, it's like stay in Jerusalem. Forget Judea, Samaria, and Judaism. Just Jerusalem is is great. Be a human shepherd, bro. For who will lead table one 
if you were not there. Um, that would be quite a detriment. Um, You're good. Yeah, I think so too. That was. What was the controversy? Controversy here was just Richard spewing out all these like uh, pro. <laughs> Jesse was saying something. And I was like, that's wrong. Yeah, she, she took a lot of offense to it. But it was it gave Jesse opportunity to defend herself. Exactly. Which her, she did. Which she uh, confidently did. And questionable, she but sure. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, with that said, I just want to conclude chapter 5 on providence with that understanding um, that God has, right, providential care over all things in His holy and righteous will, but not all things on the ground level will make sense to us in aligning with that understanding, right? So that's not going to be easy to comprehend at all times, especially when, like, I think the most difficult thing for me as a believer is when I have someone I love that is a non-believer. Like that is what makes it most difficult, I think, for me, personally. Because it's like, why? Why do I get this grace and not my... Well, for me, it would be my brother, right? Or it could be someone else. It's... Um, it hurts. And so I wonder, like, why would God want that hurt in my life? If it's a parent, right? Like, for me, I'm blessed. I grew up in a Christian household, so... My grandmother was 94. Like, I know, at least in my heart, with security that she likely to go to heaven. Like, when she dies, it's a celebration for me. But for others, for their grandparents, for their parents, for their whatever, it could be a different story. You know, I think about kids in the future. Like, what if they, right, are not believers? Like, well, what, how would I respond to that? Like, it's, it's terrifying to think about. Um, and that's what makes it difficult, I think, at times for us to truly put our trust in the providence of God. Right, that is holy and good and righteous. Right, that is where I think your prayers ought to be directed. That your faith be in that. Right. With that said, uh, let me pray and we'll conclude. Gracious God, we thank you so much for your providence, your holy and righteous will. We trust in you uh, because there's not much to trust in ourselves. We ask, O oh God, uh, that all the good we do in this life, uh, that we credit all that to you and that we look at our sin rightfully as scripture reveals to us that it is solely our responsibility and we ought uh, to treat it as something we condemn and kill in our lives we ask O oh lord that uh, you would give us strength and power through your spirit to fight the temptations of this world and uh, that we grow in our holiness always we thank you pray all this in your name amen, amen. thank you